The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. So the J.D. Vance-Tim Ryan race is very tight, the polls say. Maybe the polls are wrong. Uh, The polls could be wrong because I think Republicans in the past have been undersampled. Remember, uh, Trump was in a dogfight to win Ohio in 2020? He won it in 2016. He might, Joe Biden's making a move in Ohio. Trump won it by what, eight, nine points? How does that happen? I mean, polling is very sophisticated. The one thing polling cannot account for is people not being truthful. (laughs) And J.D. Vance uh, yesterday with Martha McCallum was uh, answering a question about, oh, these polls are tight, J.D., and, you know, why are they so tight? Because Trump carried the state, and maybe you're underperforming. I thought J.D. Vance had a pretty insightful take on that particular opinion. I'm not sure it actually is that tight. If you remember the polls in 2020, Trump was, was going was to lose by a point, maybe win Ohio by a point. Of course, he won by eight points. The, the simple fact is a lot of the people who are most dedicated to me and to my campaign are not going to trust a pollster question, in part because Joe Biden, the president of the United States, is calling them extremists for voting for the wrong people. We're going to win. We're going to win this race. Okay, so you say, well, you know, how are they going to know if you out there in rural Ohio tells a pollster that you're going to vote for J.D. Vance or whoever, uh, sometimes you can judge the reaction that you might get based upon the reaction that others get. Take, for instance, your Pennsylvania Senate race. Now, John Fetterman, the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, uh, the Quasimodo of political candidates, except Quasimodo's lump was on his back. John Fetterman's is on the back of his neck. Stroke victim John Fetterman, and I'm not going to waste my time with all the self-evident wishes for John Fetterman's health. Clearly, I don't want the man to die. I just don't want him to be a senator. Don Fetterman had a huge lead in Pennsylvania. And Mehmet Oz started his campaign kind of clumsy, and he was painted a carpetbagger by John Fetterman. But Fetterman had the stroke, and he wasn't on the campaign trail. And people began to wonder, like, is this guy going to be able to do the job that he's wanting to be elected to do because he didn't hold any press conferences he spoke in like six and seven minute rallies which were very 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 tightly controlled well finally because Mehmet Oz has been making gains progressively in the polls John Fetterman is having to relax his well basically he's got to stop playing hide and seek So, of course, the first interview that he gave was to someone from MSNBC, right? I mean, who could you get that would be more friendly to you as a wacko liberal Democrat who wants to release half the murderers in prison and who wants to legalize drugs? Who could you get that would be more kind to you than MSNBC? So MSNBC sent Dasha Burns to interview John Fetterman. Well, after she got done interviewing John Fetterman, she went on MSNBC to talk about the hoops they had to jump through 
so that John Fetterman could follow their line of questioning. We had a monitor set up so that he could read my questions because he still has lingering auditory processing issues as a result of the stroke, which means he has a hard time understanding what he's hearing. Now, once he reads the question, he's able to understand. You'll hear he also still has some uh, problems, some challenges with speech. And I'll say, Katie, that just in some of the small talk prior to uh, the interview, before the closed captioning was up and running, it did seem that uh, he had a hard time understanding our, our conversation. We saw and heard there the auditory processing challenges, the speech challenges. I've spoken with stroke experts. They say folks can fully recover from that. But the caveat that every expert gives is that they can't fully assess a patient without details on their health records without uh, that information that the campaign has yet to disclose. We've asked multiple times for medical records. We've asked uh, for interviews with someone from his medical team. Those requests have so far been denied to NBC News and other outlets that have requested this. Hmm. Now, why would they be denying those medical reports? I mean, if you tell everybody John Fetterman is okay to serve in the United States Senate and being a Senator is all about getting up and debating and hearing questions and responding quickly, thinking off the top of your head. Why would they not issue his medical records? HIPAA. Privacy. Oh, they'll hide behind HIPAA. Yep. But here's the deal. When she says John Fetterman, quote, still has some problems with speech, what does she mean? Well, uh, she might be referencing a few of these instances. The Eagles are so much better than the Eagles. At first, I just wanted to check in and see how how you're feeling and how you're doing. I'm doing fa- I'm doing fantastic, and and uh, it's not about kicking balls uh, in the authority or anything. And make sure you take advantage of this amazing opportunity to the only thing you have, Stan, to lose is your record. What is wrong with demanding for an easy? safe kind of their income, a path to a safe place for them to win. And I can champion the union way of life in Jersey, in, excuse me, in D.C. I'm sure he's fine, right? Everything's okay. So MSNBC, <laughs> poor Dasha Burns goes on TV and does the one thing you're not allowed to do on TV, on MSNBC. She tells the truth. She tells the truth. He still has issues. We had to write our questions out, close caption our questions for him because he can't he can't process auditorily, is what she said. Which means you can't talk to him and he can't understand it. That's what she means. Okay, so she goes on and she gives that report, which you just <laughs> and she gets eviscerated by MSNBC viewers to the point and NBC viewers. To the point she has to go on the Today Show with Savannah Guthrie and explain herself. We can only report our own. I will say it's important to note that according to the campaign itself, our team was the first to be in the room with Fetterman for an interview rather than via remote video conference. And uh, myself, my producer, and our crew did find that small talk before that captioning was, was difficult because of those auditory processing issues I mentioned. Yeah, see, nobody cannibalizes their own like the lips. So after she went in and talked to Fetterman and she remarked on MSNBC about, mm, 
you had a lot of difficulty following us, and we've asked for the medical records, and we didn't get them. All the liberal rags that had done interviews with Fetterman via Zoom <laughs> came out to go, no, 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 no. We've interviewed John Fetterman, and he's got, he's, why, well, he's sharp as a tack. Like, the man is all, he's, he's on top of everything. When you interview somebody by Zoom, how do you know there's not somebody else in the room telling them the questions or writing down the answers and sliding them over to John Fetterman on a piece of paper? See, all the people who interviewed him by Zoom came out of the woodwork. They go, no, no, he's fine. He's great. Everything's cool. And she goes on NBC and goes, ah, we were the first ones to do it in person. Now, just ask yourself. If Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump or Tom Cotton or Ted Cruz or Jim Jordan or J.D. Vance or any Republican talked like John Fetterman or talked like Joe Biden, any of them, would they be given, oh, we certainly hope they get better. I'm sure he's fine. No, he's, what are you talking about? He's on top of everything. This kind of double standard is so transparent. Everyone can see through it. And when I say everyone, I mean even Democrats. Even Democrats can see through this. Now, that doesn't mean that Oz is going to win in Pennsylvania because there are, sadly, a lot of people who were so invested in the laundry that they prefer, blue over red or red over blue, that the quality or lack of quality or lack of qualification in terms of John Fetterman will make no difference. It will be close in Pennsylvania. It will be close in Arizona. I think Blake Masters has a better chance of winning Arizona than Oz does of winning Pennsylvania. And I say that because in Arizona, Kerry Lake Lake carried every single county in the Arizona primary for governor on the Republican side of the ticket. In Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano is probably not going to beat Josh Shapiro for governor. And I think that makes it doubly hard for Oz to beat Fetterman. Yes, I did ignore the uh, Cleveland Guardians all season long as a protest toward them changing their name. And, of course, I thought, well, if I don't watch, then uh, this might be the year that they win the World Series. And I'll miss it. And so I uh, sat down last night to watch it. And uh, it's just more of the same that I've seen a thousand times before. The plucky little engine that could Indians. And, yes, they are the Indians. They'll always be the Indians. Uh, Losing to the New York Yankees. You can follow the playoffs on our sister station, 95.9. We are the home of the Indians slash Guardians And they just can't score. They cannot score. They've played 33 innings of postseason baseball. And they've scored four runs. They had the bases loaded last night with one out. Their fourth, fifth, and sixth hitters coming up. They scored no additional runs. And the very next time the Yankees came up, their ninth batter hit a home run. So that makes him about the millionth guy to become a superstar once he puts on the Yankee pinstripes. And I'm just done. I'm done with the Indians being good enough to get my hopes up, which is to say good enough to crush my hopes. So I'm out on the Indians. 
Not going to be invested in the Indians again. At least until they play game two on Thursday. At least until then. I'm out. I'm out. I'm all out. Now, <laughs> we had a an amazing exchange in British Parliament the other day. Remember this thing called COVID? Remember this thing called COVID vaccines? Remember when you were shamed if you didn't get the COVID vaccine because you were going to kill grandma? Because if you got the COVID vaccine, you couldn't spread COVID, right? You not only couldn't get it, you couldn't spread it. So a a British parliamentary member uh, had in front of him testifying an executive from Pfizer. Pfizer made, of course, one of the two mRNA vaccines. And so this British parliamentary member, Rob Roos, asked Janine Small uh, a simple question. He said... uh, did you guys test the mRNA vaccine ahead of time to make sure that it couldn't, it wouldn't allow you to spread COVID? Did you test that? And she said, uh, regarding the question around, uh, did we know about stopping immunization before it entered the market? Uh, no. She said no. So in other words, they told us, I'm laughing at the absurdity of the level of the lying. They told us, you have to get vaccinated. Because if you don't get vaccinated, all the people that you come in contact with will get COVID from you. So get vaccinated and you'll be unable, you'll be forever protected against spreading COVID because you've been vaccinated. And that was a lie. That was a lie. Pfizer executive admitted it. Here's Rob Roos last night on Tucker talking about what he asked and what is now, obviously, the real big lie. Governments pushed millions of people worldwide to get vaccinated by telling them, um, by telling telling you to, to, to do it for your grandmother. And they yes. tricked perfectly healthy young people into taking this jab using false arguments. The government literally imprisoned people within their own homes. All of this was based on the idea that vaccination helps prevent the spread of the virus. Otherwise, why should people out of society? But this has now proven to be a big lie. Yeah, it has proven to be a big lie. Think of the people. Remember the Canadian pastor, Arthur Pulowski? Remember how he was treated? And they broke in on him. Canadian police broke in on him at his church on Easter. And he chased him out. Get out of here, you Nazis. And then they came and arrested him on a freeway, pulled him out of his car, drug him along the pavement on his knees, handcuffed him, threw him around like he was a a calf at a calf roping contest? This is like amazing what has happened in Canada, what they have done in Canada. The thing, though, about tyranny is that it is always, always exposed. It is always exposed, and the people eventually, that's the key word, eventually always win because you cannot keep truth hidden forever. Think about it. All the lies Hitler told about the Jews. Six million murdered. But eventually, Hitler's lies were exposed. The lies 
of Stalin, the lies of Lenin, the lies of Mao, the lies of Castro, the French storming the Bastille. Tyranny always loses. Sometimes it takes a very, very long time for the clock to run out. A very long time for the clock to run out. And a lot of people die before the clock runs out. But eventually, the clock runs out on tyranny. And I wonder if Justin Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, will be made to pay for the tyranny that he has visited upon the Canadian people. Here is the Premier of Alberta making a point that I hope catches on and catches fire north of the border. The community that faced the most restrictions on their freedoms in the last year were those who made a choice not to be vaccinated. I don't think I've ever experienced a situation in my lifetime where a person was fired from their job or not allowed to watch their kids play hockey or not allowed to go visit a loved one in long-term care or hospital or not allowed to go get on a plane to either go across the country to see family or even travel across the border. So they have been the most discriminated against group that I've ever witnessed in my lifetime. That's a pretty extreme level of discrimination that we have seen. I don't take away any of the discrimination that I've seen in those other groups that you mentioned, but this has been an extraordinary time in the last uh, year in particular. And I want people to know that I find that unacceptable, that we are not going to create a segregated society on the basis of a, of a medical choice. So they tried it here. But freedom still beats strongly enough in this country that they didn't have the success getting away with it that I think they thought they could because due to the grace and compassion of God, COVID just started to kind of burn out, which is what viruses do the longer they're out there. They're very virulent in the beginning, and then they become less virulent as they mutate. And people started to realize that they were recovering from COVID without a vaccine, that it wasn't going to kill everybody, that as it came into focus, it was people who were immunocompromised, overweight, or aging that were in danger. Now, it often takes time, but we're starting to see in America people asking questions or wanting questions asked of Anthony Fauci. There's a whole host of things that the next Congress, assuming it's controlled by Republicans, and I think it will be, can dig into. I don't know if they'll have time to get to everything because at some point it just becomes so much of a backward-looking gaze on things that were clearly wrong and ought to be avenged, ought to be made right. But the Fauci, Rochelle Walensky, Francis Collins lies on COVID, that needs to be investigated. Because it directly led to the death of 13 service personnel, the withdrawal from Afghanistan needs to be looked at. The Hunter Biden thing, because it certainly affected an American election, that needs to be looked at. Those three things, for sure.